0: We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Minu Thampi, recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. For more information, please visit equipuschurch.com. landing into Dunedin and we looked out and so pretty, so beautiful, so green, and you know you can see for just kilometers and kilometers. There is no pollution in the air. You can breathe without really, you know, stressing out. It's not like coming to Calcutta, you know. So, um, you know, you, but the one thing that you miss is you're looking at it, where are all the houses, you know, <laughs> all green, 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 but not a lot of houses. Very different to India. In Calcutta, we've got over 20 million people. So the first thing you notice is people, <laughs> especially if you come from Dunedin, you will notice people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as we were driving down from the airport, uh, was, Pastor Will was saying, you know, uh, the rules could be a bit different from here in Calcutta, you know? And I told him, see, in India, we don't drive on the left side of the road. We just drive on whatever is left off the road. (laughs) So you just fill in the gaps very fast. (laughs) Amen? And uh, so it's a whole new experience. Every time I come here, it's a a new experience. You know, you just feel like, wow, this is so different. But it's just amazing. And uh, the great thing is that doesn't matter where you are, which culture you are, when you come, Into the house of the lord you just feel the same presence of god you know we are all brothers and sisters living in different parts of the world amen so it's so great to be here really want to thank pastor will and desiree for having us here and as he said you know just had the honor of knowing them in the last couple of years and what a great heart they carry for the city and for this church and to hear of all the different things that they do uh, in serving the kingdom and their heart for this church and the city is amazing and we know that this is just the beginning, and God's going to do amazing things through them. Not just in the city, amen, in many cities and in the nations of the world. Amen. Fantastic. It's great to be here with my wife, Dina. Dina is uh, coming to New Zealand for the very first time. And it's such a joy to travel together. And we've left three of our children uh, back home in Calcutta. Dina's uh, <laughs> three children. <laughs> <laughs> It's three, <laughs> making sure it's just three. <laughs> all three of our children, and Dina's parents are looking after them. <laughs> and uh, well, it's great to be here again in Dunedin. And uh, you know, I was—I had a whole message prepared a couple of weeks ago to come and preach here, all set. But last night, after watching the rugby, everything changed. <laughs> Not really. And uh, it's amazing how, you know, um, God just does things in our life. And even as a a person who's been ministering for the last almost 16, 17 years, it just amazes me every time God just does new things. God just does it his own way. He just lets us know that he's the one who's really doing it. Amen. It's not just about us, what we prepare, but God is the one who's actually in control. So I'm really excited about this morning. This is something that I've never done before, that I've not preached before. And, uh, but I just want to share something that's on my heart and also share a lot of stories of what God has done in our life and in our family's life in the last many years. And I pray that this will really encourage your faith, encourage your life and, um, also to see God in a new way and also to have a stronger walk with God. Amen. So, um, I don't really have like a sermon outlined or anything planned as such, but we'll just take it as it goes. Amen? Fantastic. And I believe God will do what He wants to do, irrespective of what I'm going to say. Amen? And I just want you to have just an open heart and an open spirit, and then just allow God to speak to you, not just to hear Binu's boring voice. (laughs) Amen? But allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us. Amen? Uh, Through the sermon. I thought I'll wear the puffy jacket, but I'm getting... Warm well, already, eh, amen? <laughs> Think I'll take it off? <laughs> alright. And if it gets cold in between, I'll put it back on. <laughs> Fantastic. Amen. And uh, I just want to, you know, call today's message, Journeying with Jesus. And, uh, you know, let's turn our Bibles to Matthew chapter 4. Um, I just want to read two um, portions Matthew 4 verse 18 to 20 and then we'll also go to Luke chapter 5 after this Matthew 4 18 to 20 it's a, it's a very familiar passage it's a place where Jesus calls his first disciples and Jesus walking by the sea of Galilee saw two brothers Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen And he said to them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. And you see uh, the same thing in Luke 5, but he's got more of an elaborate description of uh, when Jesus came to that lake and multitudes were there and, uh, you know, two boats were there and Jesus asked Peter whether he could sit on one boat and the whole story. And then after... uh, in preaching from Peter's board, Jesus told Peter to cast his net into the deep and he got a great catch. And at the end of that um, verse, Luke chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, you see the same thing where Jesus calls them. Um, it says, And so also were James and John and sons of the sons of Zebedee who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. And uh, in verse 11, it says, So they had brought their boats to the land. So when they had brought their boats to the land, they forsook all and followed him. Amen. So when you combine Matthew 4 and Luke 5, Jesus, the call of Jesus is, he's saying, come follow me. Come follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Amen. And as I was thinking about that, you know, our life with Jesus, being a Christian, is actually a journey with Jesus. Amen? It's not just about a one-time commitment that we make so that we can go to heaven, that our sins are washed. It's actually taking a journey with Jesus. Amen? And I can kind of picture Jesus looking at us and calling us, come, you know, come follow me. Come, come with me. Come on this journey with me. Come walk with me. Amen. That's what he was actually telling the disciples. Come follow me and I will make you fishers of men. And then in Luke it says in verse 11, so they when they had brought their boats to the shore they brought their boats, their nets and everything and then it says they forsook all and followed him. Amen. And uh, you know journeying with Jesus you can't we can't have two masters. Amen. Jesus made it very clear. You know if you follow if you want to follow me you know there is a price attached to it there is a cost attached to it there are certain things that God demands from us that you got to deny yourself and follow me. You know come after me. You know and it's not just a place where God wants to torture you. You know a lot of the time you get the impression oh He wants to take all the good stuff away from me. He wants to, he doesn't want me to enjoy my life. That is not what he's talking about. He wants to take us to a greater dimension of our life. He wants us to enjoy a greater dimension of our life. He wants us to be prosperous in our life. You know, he wants us us to be fruitful and successful in our life. And the only way we can actually do that in God is actually by allowing him to take over our life so that, you know, in Bible it says, in, Paul says, it's no longer I. But Christ lives in me, it's no longer I. So that means there was a place until Paul could not say it was no longer I. You know, there was a place until, a place where he had to come to, where he had to get him out of, out of the way. And I believe that is a journey as well. Because we are not going to allow Jesus to come and easily come and take over our lives. Amen. It was like that with me. And I believe it's the same case because we all say, Jesus is the Lord of my life. But it's a journey. Amen? It doesn't happen the first day. It doesn't happen the first year. It doesn't happen in the first couple of years. It's a journey that you take with Jesus where because for you to really follow Him and to obey, come to a place of obedience, you have to have this journey and to, have, and to build a relationship and to build a trust in Jesus that you can actually allow Him. Amen. That he can actually have more of the space of your life. And then you, it's a journey where you can say with Paul, it's no longer I. Amen. But Christ lives in me. Amen. And I think it's, that it's in this journey that we get to know him. And it's this, this journey that he forms our character. It's in this journey that we make mistakes. And, you know, it's in this journey that we get to know his grace in, a, in an amazing way. And I thank God for this journey but because if it wasn't for this journey I would never really have known God. You know Jesus the way I know Him now. You know it's only when you make mistakes you understand the grace of God. You understand the love of God who truly He is. Amen. Otherwise He's just a God out there. A God of the Bible. A God of the scriptures. But He has to become your God. He has to become our God. And I believe it's in this journey. And when you take This journey with God, with Jesus, when you journey with Jesus, He will take you to places where you can never be in your own strength. Amen? That's when you see He takes ordinary people and He gets them to do extraordinary things. Amen? And that's why He calls us on this journey. Come follow me. Come. I'll take you on this journey. This amazing, adventurous journey where I will teach you my ways. I will teach you. You know, in this journey, what we learn is, in my experience, what I've learned is to hear God's voice. One of the amazing things is we just, he will teach us how to hear his voice. Amen. He said, my sheep will hear my voice. Amen. So we got to learn to hear his voice. And then it progresses on to a place where we are in a place where we can actually take a step to obey him. Amen. Obedience to God doesn't come naturally. Amen? Because it takes faith to obey God. So, obedience is a process. He's got to teach us how to obey Him. Amen? So, hearing His voice, obeying Him, learning His ways. Amen? It's great to see His acts, but to learn His ways, it takes a process. Amen? You know, in Psalms, David said, says like this, in Psalms 119, I don't remember the verse. Joey, you don't have to put this up as well. And 119, I think in some verse, it says, it was good that I was in trouble that I got to learn his ways. Amen? So it was in that process that David actually got to learn the ways of God. Amen? And as you journey with him, you know, you learn to hear his voice, you learn to obey him, and you learn, you know, his ways, and then it allows God to use us as a channel. Amen? For his name's sake. Amen? And I want to take, you know, us through a journey of our family and our life. In the last, and I believe I probably continue this on to the evening session as well. So there'll be more stories. I'm sharing most of the stories to keep my wife awake because we've been jet lagged. And right now it's like four in the morning. I said, Baby, I've got to keep you awake. I'm going to just say stories today in church. <laughs> Amen. So, you know, I just want to, sh- you know, share some stories and I believe that will really encourage your faith. Amen. You know, my dad, um, when he was 21, You know, it's a time when he had an encounter with God, when his life was transformed about 55 years ago. And before that, he was a real nuisance in his house, in his community. I mean, he was kicked out of high school because he actually fought with his principal. He beat up his principal school and they kicked him out. So he was a violent person. So even at the age of 21, he was getting into a lot of trouble. And that is a time he actually had an encounter with God through an Anglican minister, and that radically changed his life over oh, just in an instant. He became a different person, and that led him to a lot of trouble. And within six months, he resigned his job that he was doing, and he came back home, and he was this crazy person just telling everybody about Jesus. He was actually from a very strong uh, sort of a Christian called Canaanite Christians. They believed they came from Canaan and they only married among themselves very close community. So for them to lose anybody to another religion was a big shame. So it was a lot of pride and shame in in that whole community. So when he came and started sharing the gospel and everything, they thought he was just crazy and they tried to keep him there and they did a lot of things, physically persecuted him and all those kind of stuff. But anyway, none of these things, you know, he had an encounter with God. He, he no, Nobody could change that. So what happened was that in that time, they kicked him out of the house. So in India, there's no... If you don't have a job, if you don't have a home, you don't have a place to sleep. So he literally ended up on the street, you know? So that's how he started his ministry. You know, he just slept on the street. Whenever he had food, he would eat food. And, you know, that time, he actually got a, a megaphone. But that megaphone was a megaphone made out of his mom's kerosene tin. (laughs) Kerosene tin, you know, those days they used to use kerosene for fuel. So he actually, when he was still, before getting kicked out, he actually saw a communist guy using a, a megaphone and he said, I want something like that to preach Jesus. So he got an idea. He said, I'll get my mom's kerosene tin. He was only 21. And he actually put all the kerosene into smaller vessels, you know, which later on, a cat came and jumped and spilled all the kerosene. And my mom's, <laughs> dad, dad's mom was very angry about that. So he took that to the blacksmith and told the guy, get this made into a megaphone. He said, what do you mean? He said, you know, the communist leader. Just like, Just make it in the shape of that thing. So he got this kerosene tin makeshift, um, you know, megaphone and put a rope around it. And that's what that's what he had when he was on the street. So he would wake up in the morning, get up on top of coconut trees. In Kerala, we have a lot of coconut trees. You know, it's beautiful. It's very tropical. So he'll go to the village. And in the middle of the village, he'll get the tallest coconut tree and he'll climb up. So no watch, nothing those days. So whenever the rooster crows, so it could be three in the morning, four in the morning. So he'll get up on top of the tree, put his megaphone, you know, put it in the right, wherever the most houses are, and he'll just start, you know, not even, he doesn't know how to preach, so Bible verses, one after the other, whatever he knew, he would just say the Bible verses, for about two hours, until <laughs> the sun comes up, so that's when his sermon ends, when the sun comes up, and people come out, they were gracious to him, they'll give him a cup of tea, or coffee, he'll come down, so that's what he, how he started, you know, but in that process, wherever he went, People just saw him as a crazy guy, like a madman. And many times they used to persecute him. They have beaten him up many times. They have chased him out of villages. They have stoned him. You know, all those kind of things has happened in his life. So this is this young person just full on for God. You know, just wanting to do something for God. On a journey with God, kicked out of the house. So many times for weeks he had to go without food. Because in this journey, he had made a commitment to God. Said, Lord, you call me. And I'll follow you. And you will take care of all my needs. So he wouldn't ask anybody. So he would just go without food for seven days, sometimes ten days. He would just walk for 40 kilometers, 50 kilometers, going from village, from, from village to village preaching the gospel. And that's what, that was his life. He always thought, you know, I'm, not, I'm uneducated. No, I've never been to a Bible college. I don't even have a church to go to. So his life was like that. In those days, there were not many Christians as well, you know. So very small Christian communities here and there. And eventually, you know, one day, you know, he hadn't had food for over two weeks. And he was so weak, he said, "Thought I'll go back home. You know, it's been over a few years, a couple of years. Go back and ask mom, you know, for food. So he walked for about a couple of hours to get home. And on the way, he said he fell down many times, fainted, passed out just because of tiredness. And finally, he reached home. It was like 2 a.m. and he knocked on the door. And his mom came and opened the door. And he told his mom, mom, I'm really hungry. You know, I haven't had food for over two weeks. Can I just have some rice? And she just shut the door on his face and said, no, if, if you forsake your God and come back, you know, you will have food in this house. And so the door was shut. Then he just looked around and there was some food left over from the what the dog had eaten. their dog. So he went and He was so hungry. He just scraped all that food, ate that. <laughs> and then he sat under a coconut tree <laughs> there and just renewed his commitment to God and said, God, no matter what, you know, I'll follow you. And, you know, those were the days of his life. And then, eventually, he actually rented a room, you know, in a, a small place called Chingavanam, in place, uh, Chingavanam. And it was only 20 rupees a month. So he was actually preaching the gospel, and many people were getting saved by then. And the local bishop of that community which my dad also was part of. He got really annoyed that a lot of people are, you know, hearing the gospel. So he wanted to kick my dad out of that place. So he actually got in touch with the landlord who was a friend of my dad, actually. And he influenced him to kick my dad out of that place because my dad hadn't paid rent for two months. He didn't have the money. It was only 20 rupees a month. But, you know, it was just all these days he had just had miraculous stories of God's provision, how just money would come through you know, amazing stories. And anyway, at that time, he didn't have the money. So at night, the guy asked him to leave the house. So dad said, just give me a couple of days. He said, no, you got to leave now. So he just packed his bag. He walked 10 kilometers to the next city and he just sat in the bus stand. He said he was around 24. Then he sat down and he said, yeah, I just cried to God. He said, God, why did you choose me? I'm just such a disappointment to you. I'm such a failure. I can't even afford my next meal. I can't even pay my rent. You know, of 20 rupees, that is like 50 cents a month. And what am I going to do? What am I going to do? You should choose somebody else. Don't choose me. And he said, that's the time when he actually heard God's voice. You know, God spoke to him. You know, he heard the voice of God. He said, that was like amazing. Even the things that are happening now in his life, God spoke to me then. You know, even as a young 24-year-old, God spoke to him. And he said, by that time, it was like 4.30 in the morning. And he was so pumped after hearing God's voice. And he saw hundreds of people in the bus stand who were waiting. Those days, there were very few buses. And uh, so people were waiting for the early morning bus. So he actually saw an empty bus. And he ran and climbed up the top of the bus. And he started preaching to all the people in the bus stand. And about 200 people were there. And he said he preached for an hour. Everybody listened to him. They all got saved. They all raised their hands. And the conductor and the driver of the bus also was waiting for him to come down so that they can get on and go. So they also received Jesus. But he couldn't get down. He was cramped. He was, you know, he, he, he was so tired. So somebody had to go up and get him down. He believes it was an angel. And that was another story. Anyway, that's where they actually began their ministry, you know, and after that, he got, when he got married, Same kind of lifestyle. You know, my mom was from a very different type of family. They were all Christians. Uh, She was highly educated, but very different. But God put them together. And mom used to say, you know, she was only 21 when she got married. She had to come to another state, didn't know the language, didn't know the culture, had to live with this man. And the first three months of their life, married life, was on the street. They said, you know, we didn't have a place to go. So if somebody would invite us for a meeting... We would stay, but we'll still be in two different houses, you know. But we always tell them, hey, but you still managed to have four children in five years. <laughs> even though." You... <laughs> but, see, that was their life. And my mom decided that she would just go back home because it was just so difficult for my dad to take my mom around because there was no place to stay. And, you know, in that process, after that, you know, four of us were born. And so I kind of grew up in a home like that. You know, that's my upbringing and i probably share a bit of that in the evening session but the amazing thing about this journey is you know when my dad's mom was 76 my dad baptized her you know and uh, the same person who actually kicked her out kicked him out and made his life so difficult you know god opened her he god allowed that to happen in his life and he baptized her right in, the fr- in front of her house when she was 76. And he, she actually died at our house. She actually stayed with us in the last days. And my dad's elder brother was the person who was so angry at him. He was about 16 years old. He wanted to kill my dad. Several times he had come to kill him. Literally to kill him. But then he got saved under my dad. And dad, you know, baptized him. And he actually became a pastor under my dad and served until he died. You know, so all my dad's family got saved through my dad. And from the same village where he was kicked out when he was 24, God brought him back to that same village. You know, 20 years later, with a four-acre property, and that's where our headquarters of the ministry is right now. You know, in this journey with God, it's just amazing where people saw him as a madman, as a crazy guy, climbing up coconut trees to preach the gospel, a guy who couldn't even afford his next meal. And there's another amazing story. This megaphone, that was his treasure. Like, he always carried that. But a couple of years later, he gets this Italian megaphone in a parcel from Canada. You know, a lady came and saw him doing this. And she traveled with him. And then she went back to Canada and shared this story. And a 14-year-old boy, he went back home and he took this megaphone, a brand new megaphone. And he said, I got this for my birthday present. Please send this to that guy. And he gets this in a parcel. Can you imagine? And in, in Kerala at that time, there was no amplified sound. Nobody has heard amplified sound. So he's got this battery-operated amplified sound megaphone. And he said there were literally queues of over a kilometer. People were lining up to say hello. (laughs) Through this megaphone. And they see this crazy guy with this tin megaphone, now with this Canadian megaphone. And this guy who was walking all the way, you know, suddenly he gets a 200cc Yamaha motorbike all the way from Australia. He's only 26 and... God just opens the door and somebody said, and nobody has seen that because it's an imported motorbike. And all the rich kids in town are behind him. Can you sell that to us? Can you? And he wouldn't. <laughs> for a whole year he had that until he sold it to buy property for the, for the first church that he planted. And then he started walking again. For a year, people thought he was crazy again, you know. And then God gave him another motorbike from America somewhere. And it's just this amazing journey. Amen. When you follow Jesus, amen. And today, my dad's 76, and uh, he's just going full on for God. And God has used him to plant over 3,500 churches, you know, all throughout India, nations of Nepal, Burma, in the Middle East, uh, you know, a few other nations as well. And, uh, you know, life of faith. I always thought life of faith is a life where, you know, it's only meant for pastors and people in ministry. But, uh, you know, God had to teach me, it's, it's a life that God designed for all His children. This is the life of faith as you journey with God. It's a life with no limitations. Amen? Because when you follow God, when you obey God, He just can do amazing things through our lives. Amen? So it's just this journey that we got to take this journey with God. Amen? And uh, I always, you know, God had to teach me that, you know, what we have is one of the things that can actually limit us. Many times, when we have enough, we feel like, oh, God has blessed me with this, now I can live. No, God wants us to trust Him. Amen? God just wants us to trust Him and to hear His voice and just to be in a place where we can obey Him. And I believe what I've learned over the years is if one thing I can tell you is obedience. Obedience is such a key to God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You know, if we obey God, we will actually see great things happening through our lives. Because when God speaks, every time you obey, you will actually see a breakthrough. Amen. Because it actually takes faith to obey God. Amen. To hear hear God's voice and to be in a place where you're obeying Him, that is a life of faith. Amen. No matter where you are at, if we can actually tune into God and say, God, let me hear your voice. Help me to obey you. Help me to be obedient to you. Amen. Obedience, the fruit of obedience is miracles. It's breakthroughs. Every time we, you know, even in my life, it's just the same thing. But it's a journey that you got to start with God. Amen. We actually have to go on a journey with Him. It's one thing to say yes to Jesus, but it's another thing to go on a journey with Him. Amen. It's actually another thing to go on a walk with Jesus. It's in this process It's this this amazing journey that he teaches you many things in your life and you actually experience breakthroughs and and God takes you to this place where God, the place that God has for you. Amen. God is the one with the blueprint for your life. He is the one who planned your life. He's got a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, your journey, everybody has their own journey. Amen. My journey is different to your journey. Amen. My dad's journey is different to my journey. Amen. But you've got your own journey. You got to take that step, you know, to take that journey with God. Amen. And maybe you have started on a journey with God, but maybe you're stopped. Amen. Here the Bible says, you know, disciples, they left all, they forsook all, and they followed Jesus. Amen. So to follow Jesus, it actually, he just doesn't demand a little bit of us. Amen. We all think, oh, we just have to give our tithes to him. 10%. It's not just the tithes. He never said that. Amen. He never said it's just the tithes. It's not 20%, he asked. It's not the 30%. He actually demands 100% from us. Amen. That's the only condition he says. Amen. If you got to follow me, just give me your 100%. You know, just give him his your 100%. Amen. Let everything that we have belong to him. Amen. It doesn't belong doesn't have to belong to us anymore. We can move over. It's in this process that we learn that I have been in the driving seat. Now I've got to move over. I love him to be in the driving seat. Let him lead my life. Let him take me forward and I will just be with him. Amen. That's where you actually experience provision. Amen. That's where you experience the supernatural coming into our lives. Amen. And I remember, you know, my parents never saved up any money for any of us. We have four children. You know, when uh, the the marriage time came for our uh, sisters, you know, both of them were getting married a day apart, you know. And in India, weddings are big usually. And because my dad, uh, he he had planted a lot of churches. We had close to around 3,000 people for each of their weddings. So all these people to feed and everything. But he had no money. You know, it's amazing even at that time how God just miraculously provided. Everything was just taken care of. Amen. And he doesn't, He hasn't bought a house, doesn't own a car, doesn't, has, doesn't have anything. But God has just provided everything for him. Amen. And uh, even I remember when we were children, especially our grandfather, my mom's dad, he worked in the army and you know all that. So he was very structured and all that. So he used to come to our house and he used to think, oh, this is not a home this looks more like a hospital. You know, because we had demon-possessed people, sick people, Bible school, office, printing press, everything in one house. You know, and we were all over the place and he said, oh, how can you raise children here? You know, he used to just shout at my mom and my dad. say, your children will amount to nothing. You will lose all your children. You know, your children will never gain anything in life and all those things. I've heard that in my, you know, with my ears many times. And, uh, maybe, yes, our parents couldn't give us a lot materially. But my dad and mom always used to say this. He said, Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God. Seek ye first and all these things shall be added to you. And I remember my dad telling us, you know, the best thing I can do for you is to serve God wholeheartedly. That's the best investment I can make into your life. And that's what they did, actually. You know, that's what they did. They're still serving God. And that's the best thing for us as children. And I really can't thank God enough for their life now. Because there were times when you're growing up, you feel like, oh, you know, when you want to do your higher studies, you don't know, you don't have no money. <laughs> yeah, there is no money. And parents are not able to give you anything. And you feel like, oh my God, my God has used my dad to buy, you know, hundreds of motorcycles for other people, build hundreds of churches. A lot of money has gone through his hands. But we as children, you know, I, I went through that phase. But now when I turn back and see, the best investment they did for us was just to serve God. Amen. Serve God wholeheartedly. And uh, you know I am a recipient even today this morning I was in tears in this beautiful hotel that we are staying and I was thinking God thank you. You know maybe it's because my dad he was sleeping on the streets and years you know he had to be on the street and today all four of us we are all blessed because of what God has done in our lives. And I just so wish that is your journey as well, that you take a journey with Jesus. Your life will never be the same again. Amen. That is just such a real experience. It's just not in India. It's a big thing that people say, oh, Christians are converting all the other people. And we always say, it's not converting. We are not trying to, we are trying to show people a better way of life. Amen. We so wish people will experience this real God. Amen. People will feel, you know, how good he is. And, you know, that is my prayer for us as well. That we are not just, we just won't be wishy-washy Christians. There is a whole city out there to be reached. Amen. And the city is counting on you. And it's not just because, not because we are supermen and wonder women. It's because of the God that we trust in. God can take us as ordinary people and he can do extraordinary things. If God can take a high school dropout, person who couldn't afford 20 rupees for a month for rent and do extraordinary things he can use you. Amen. He can use you. He can use each and every single person in this place to do extraordinary things for God and all it takes it's so simple take that first step of obedience Amen. Take that step and say God I just want to follow you it's no longer I doesn't have to be me anymore Let it be you, Jesus. You lead me, you guide me, because He's a He's a good shepherd. He will lead us. He will guide us to the pastures. He will be with us. Amen. You know our life is a life with still life that has many challenges and problems, but it's in those moments that you experience Him closer than ever before. Amen. His provision, His protection over our life. I've got so many more stories of God's provision and God's protection. I hope to share a little bit more you know in the evening session but right now and I just want to encourage us you know to take that step of faith on a journey with Jesus Amen and you might already be on a journey right now in your life maybe you are confused maybe you are on a stage where you are thinking whether did I make the right choice or you know I want to encourage you to persevere just He's so close by God is so close by to us. He will. Bible says He will never leave us nor forsake us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. Amen. So we can actually trust Him. Amen. He is our provider. So I want to encourage you. Just press in a little bit more. Just look to Him. Bible says turn to Jesus. Amen. So stop looking at your problems. Stop looking at what things are going wrong. But turn to Him. Turn to Jesus and everything will change. And maybe there are people here who have never started on a journey with Jesus maybe you felt that God is so distant and uh, God is not interested in a relationship you know God is looking at my faults he's looking at my mistakes I can tell you my dad is 76 still makes a lot of mistakes (laughs) he's 76 but he's a human Mr. Thumpy amen he's just living in his humanity but it's just the grace of God It's God's grace that is coming after you. It's the love of God that is so reaching out to you today. Amen. God is not looking at your past. God is not looking at your good stuff or your bad stuff. God is not looking at that. He's looking at you. He's interested in your life. He so wants you to come to Him. He wants you to take the journey with Him. If you have never taken that journey with Him, I really want to encourage you. Take that first step and just see what it feels like. Amen. Just be true to him and say, God, Jesus, I believe you. I just want to follow you. Amen. Can we just stand to our feet? Thank you for listening to this message recorded at Equipus Church Dunedin. We pray it blessed you. For more information, please visit EquipusChurch.com.